You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Now Jones escapes pressure, fires downfield, and it's caught! Darius Slayton! Man, this kid is awesome. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Well, Grump, I try to look on positives, and there is one positive tonight as we record this rather late on a Thursday evening. We're not the Jets. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, the worst damn podcast for the worst damn football team doesn't really have the same that that same sparkle to it, you know? So it's a good thing. Well, there, there may be a really, really good podcast that covers the worst team. I mean, that's, that's no, true. It, you know, they, they it's like the same cycle with them over and over again, and they just get the worst luck, whether it's perceived luck or reality luck. I mean, Mike White is one of those guys that may go down in New York sports history as like a Jeremy Lin or, you know, someone that's just has its white hot 15 minutes of fame, and that's the end of it. And what happens? Does he make it to the second quarter and gets hurt? And so that that's, that's so jetsy, you know, for <laughs> something like that to happen where even when they've had this run it's as bad as the giants have been over the last decade if not worse you know they get something to get excited for anything like and it lasts for 20 minutes it, it's Wait, i think it might it, what is it four quarters six quarters i'm talking about like how long today like you know they had this oh, yeah. they, where there was you know mike white mania and which is ironic because the the gator head basketball coach name is mike white as well and he's been on the proverb you know, the perpetual hot seat almost from the day he got hired. So all of a sudden it's nice to hear Mike White's name being bandied about Twitter and everywhere and not in such, you know, tough terms. And, you know, the Jet fans get a week of like, hmm, maybe this guy is something, a diamond in a rough. Maybe he's the Brady and all this. And he's out. So tough, tough turkeys, Jet fans. Just make sure that that mortgage payment is on time each month. Well, there's no tougher turkey than um, your star-wide receiver going to prison. Uh, and Giants fans should know all about it, to be honest. Um, but, you know, completely unfunny news. Um, you know, yeah. like about as, about as bad as, the, you know, all the time we talk about like, oh, this guy got a DUI, you know, etc. Not all the time, I, you know, maybe twice a year or whatever. But this is the story the NFL was trying to avoid for a very long time. It's part of the reason why they've relaxed on the marijuana rules, but only on the caveat that they could crack down harder on things like DUIs, you know, drunk driving, etc. Um, Henry Ruggs, star wide receiver for the Raiders, got into a very nasty, fatal um, drunk driving accident. Um, he was, I think, going like over 150 miles an hour or whatever. The details of which are not really... Uh, relevant. It's a really sad story, but uh, you know, and, and well, I, on on no, top I, of you know, I, I think it's kind of relevant to say what happened because you know I have absolutely zero tolerance for drunk driving. My mother almost uh, died in a DUI, and I think you, I, I, I know the context what you're saying then, but I don't think we should gloss over what this asshole did. This right. guy got blasted going to a Top Golf of all places. This is a million dollar athlete who, I mean, even. Even podcast hosts can afford Uber to get home from somewhere if you've been drinking, you know, too much. And for a guy who makes millions of dollars, that doesn't have a driver or anything, and doesn't have that 
that common sense that you could be risking, you know, innocent people's lives besides his own. I have no tolerance for a scumbag like that, and I hope he gets what he deserves in jail high and hard every night, and I have no tolerance for people like him. Yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't mean it in that context, but you, you understood. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's not, it's not funny. It's not, it's not cool. Um, it, it shouldn't be taken lightly. And, um, I, I guess, you know, I, I've been, I don't know. I haven't seen anyone like defend it, right? Like no one's been like, you know, go well, easy on. Him. Well, Kadarius Tony kind of did of all people. I mean, did you see his tweet, kind of saying, you know. I, I did, but I don't. I don't think that was saying. I, that was. I don't think anyone like, was defending him. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't defending him in like how a defense attorney might to try to get him out of legal problems. But it definitely was casting a sympathetic light on a guy who. I'm sorry, that's not a mistake. That's a fucking decision that the guy made. And again, I have no tolerance for that. So, but you know, Tony did take. You know, he did zag a little bit by. You know, trying to support you know a, a fellow player, and that's his right to do so. And you know, yeah, whatever. I think it was more. I think it was more so like. I think the direction he's trying to go is like, look, he's not. He's not making excuses for it. Like, there's no need to keep telling him he's a piece of shit. Like, he, he knows. He's like, he's only. I, th- I think that's kind of. But like in a more like, guys, you don't need to. Po- he knows. Like, it, let's you know. Don't forget, he's also kind of young, and his life is now ruined. Whatever. Like, kind of and, thing and, was not defending Kadari- anything. You know. Kadarius Tony. And Kadarius Tony is young, and he'll learn that you know you may not want to want to wade in waters, but you may be able to swim in. That was kind of, you know. If that's his opinion. That's fine, but I, I think that's an opinion you may want to keep to yourself because you're gonna you're gonna look you're gonna be perceived as being on the wrong side of history for comments like that. So that's just my take on on Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I, I think I get what he was trying to send. Um, I don't know that it was worded in a way that could be interpreted the way he wanted it I, you know right. what I mean I, yeah. I, I, I think I think I know where he's aiming and I don't even think that I can articulate it really well so probably should have just been kind of eat that one and move on yeah yeah but in terms of this game to put it in uh, in Sunday terms and not your 365 days out of the year terms um, this is a massive blow to a, a Raiders team that is already kind of dealing with not unprecedented, but you know, very rare circumstances where a head coach resigns in the middle of a season due to you know off the field kind of things. Be- and not only yeah. that, but it's off the field behavior from like years ago too, which is that might actually be unprecedented. Yeah, and also you know how often does a head coach have to resign when he's in first place? You know, and what were they mm. second in the conference at the time? So we're not talking about. Well, this team is scuffling along at three and eight, and you know, it's just best that we part ways. I mean, this is a you know, we we don't have to go back into that whole story again. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the mood to, to, to you know. It's not really important. Dis- yeah, it's just, it's just the fact that it's coming one on top of the other. Exactly. So the question is, how does a team like this respond to two major transcendent stories that transcend football that also really have nothing to do with the other, you know. 53 guys on the roster. I mean, none of these guys had anything to do with the Gruden 
you know, emails and, and, and texts and things. And, you know, as far as we know at this point, as we record this, nobody had anything to do with, with, with the incident this week. And it's kind of like you get these things that these are massive, massive, massive distractions that they have to deal with. Plus, they have to go, you know, do the travel across country. And, you know, next week they play Kansas City. So it's it's like it's a perfect storm of distraction for a team that's kind of uh, kicking their coverage this year. You know, the team's been playing a lot better than I think we thought they would. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting, right? Like they they were in first place, you know, when uh, I think when Gruden had to resign. But it was interesting. You could tell that the Gruden story, which was sitting around for a little bit there, uh, affected – it looked like – I mean, they, they lost to Chicago. Uh, I mean, that shouldn't have happened. You know, maybe they're out kicking their coverage a little bit, but they're they're certainly a more talented team than the Bears. Um, yeah, but we – And then I, I think he resigned right after that, right? Right after yeah, that game. We, we, we can go around the NFL now. We're, we're getting far enough along in the season where everybody has, has had a, trip a bad – has had a bad loss, you know, and the, this league is getting more and more like nothing shocking. Anymore. Yeah, but I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, that the loss happened to Chicago right when the Gruden the, thing happened. It was it was the last game he coached, I think. Uh, and that was like like the story was out there, and everyone's like, "Is he going to coach Sunday?" And he did. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the firestorm really happened after. I guess it was starting to percolate, maybe behind the scenes a lot, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, they're just dealing with distractions. I mean, and, uh, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise for this team because we, remember when, when Gruden got hired, we were both like, really? You know, he was one of those names that was always out there is, you know, when a, a high-profile job came up, whether it was the NFL or college, his name was always attached to it, whether it was Tennessee, uh, volunteers in college, whether it was or the Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, us, right, right. There was always like, well, what about Gruden? He's kind of out there. And the longer he was at the Monday Night Football job, you know, of course that shadow kept growing, but also seemed more and more unlikely he'd jump back. I mean, there hasn't been that many examples of guys that have been broadcasters for a long, long time and then come back and then come back and had success. I mean, other than Dick Vermeil, nothing really jumps out to me as somebody who's ever, you know, achieved you know, super success after being out of the league for so long. I mean, the league changes. You know, we've seen we've seen the changes in the last, you know, the changes in the last decade. The NFL have been unlike really any other changes, you know, in the last 50, 60 years, I think. And, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise for this team that, you know, a, a guy we don't think is that great of a coach anyway and the distractions involved with him and the money that's involved, maybe it kind of helps this, this, this franchise long term. You know, that's actually very interesting you say that. So, you know, while the, the Raiders were, were loudly in the national spotlight, they've somehow quietly been near the top of the AFC. They've only got two losses. But the 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 big stories to Gruden and Rugg, uh, Ruggs are going to affect them really, really negatively. But um, there was some positive to it. So the Raiders, even when they were winning, I mean, if you look at the Miami game that they, they nearly lost, I mean, 
there were some things that are very different with the offense while John Gruden was head coach versus what's happened now since uh, Bisaccia has taken over from special teams. He's running everything. You can see that the offense is running a little differently. Now, you watch those early games, and, and like Derek Carr was just getting pummeled. There are a lot of deep step drops, and they're still moving down the field, but a lot of pro- – I mean, I don't think the Raiders have yet this year – I think they have like 11 straight three and outs on opening drives or something like that. It's it's Oof. something insane. Sounds as um, bad as us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like you watch that Miami game. I think he got sacked twice on the first drive. It was it – was, now it's totally different. I mean, they have completely flipped the script. They're, they're, they're running the offense differently now. Uh, Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator there, is running a lot of really quick stuff. Really quick. I mean, really short drops. Taking advantage of speed. Um, you know, and a big part of that though was rugs. So now, um, I actually don't know what they do to to zag from that. Like I, I can they they kind of were lucky, I guess, in a sense that they were winning with Gruden because there were some serious problems with the offense in the early side of the year. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they lost to the Bears. Um. <laughs> Like there, there's there's a reason for that outside of just distraction. I mean, like there were things to exploit there that the Bears were able to exploit in addition to what I think was probably poor week of practice and, and game planning, etc. And, and distractions. But um, you know, they've kind of adjusted their offense to what they they saw was a problem. Derek Carr getting beaten around a little too much. You know, these these negative plays. Um, forget the deep shots. Use your speed and 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 you know whatever. They've kind of done that instead, but now, you know, you've got the speed portion is now literally being ripped from you. So I don't know what their big plan is going to be, but I can bet that it's going to include more Darren Waller. You know, they've had the bye week last week and the week before that. they um, He was like a scratch, I think, on game time decision. So he was probably really close to coming back anyway. So I would assume Waller, he's not on the injury report either, is going to be a big part of that. Well, you mentioned the injury report and you mentioned distractions and I think we can look no further than, you know, inside our own camp right now as far as distractions and what may be injuries or might be false injuries. And that's talking about the Giants and, you know, COVID gate or, you know, false positive COVID gate that we're going through this week. Yeah, I'm not totally sure I understand this story fully correctly. I think what happened here is running back coach Burton Burns actually does have COVID. And then there were several positive tests among players, including Matt Skura, Saquon Barkley, Xavier yeah, McKinney. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, the, they all came back and retested and were all negative. So the question was, what's going on with that original test? They do rapid tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all came back with the, the, the positive. They retested again and they were negative. So they're going through kind of this, you know, retesting again. They need to have two negative tests to be eligible to play again. But again, while you're waiting for all that, you're completely disrupting your practice, every rhythm. And not only is it you're, they can't have regular practices, but the NFL is all about routine. You know, you get into a routine every week. You do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this week has been all jumbled, all, you know, 
all over the place. And then you throw in the fact that they had the short week for playing on Monday night, which you have a condensed schedule. Who knows what the headspace and the preparation is for this week coming up? It could be you could have two teams that are just walking around in a fog for for all we know. Yeah, and I guess you mentioned the short week and, and you know all these things in practice. Like practice is so regimented down to the second. I mean everything, every drill, everything down to the second. So when you don't have a running backs coach there and you've got somebody you know your assistant running backs coach or somebody else is handling the running backs that day the 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 milliseconds of delay from them not knowing what to do next or just not being as used to that like it affects everything man and then on top of that you have the obvious right like Barkley's not practicing you know Gary Brightwell's not practicing Xavier McKinney can't practice that's your starting safety Matt Skur is your starting left guard he's not practicing until today he he was a full participant um, so it jumbles up really everything and you're just trying to instill a game plan on a short week and now you've got subs in there and, and that sucks you know and on top and of that the Raiders are coming off of a bye and also you're playing back to back you know AFC West team so it's not like you have this intimate knowledge of a team it's not like they're playing hmm. you know Washington where well, okay we know all the personnel we know the schemes we know their tendencies this is kind of like alright you know we haven't played the Raiders since they played in Oakland we haven't played them in a while we don't know you know it takes more film study and more game planning and more practice to be ready for a team like that and we just don't have it now and you're right Las Vegas had a bye week so they you know never mind a short week they had a bye week more time to rest up more time to kind of get past the Gruden controversy and maybe a little ahead of the game to deal with the with the this controversy this week so Everything is pointing against the Giants right now for, you know, chances for success. Well, I don't know about that. So I I think it kind of evens out because I think probably you have a week off and you've spent that whole week. You can do all your study work on the Giants and come up with this big game plan. And fucking Wednesday, your star receiver is now – that whole game plan is probably out the window. So now you're scrambling to rewrite the game plan or something. I You know, I don't know what you do at that point. You've already been practicing the game plan. So – I mean, they might be just as on their heels as we are. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, that one could go either way as, as far as I see it. But they're definitely far less injured. They're the, Jonathan Hankins and uh, Simpson, their they're left guard, full participants today. That's their whole injury report. And you know, ours is so extensive, I don't even need to go through it. <laughs> we have more guys injured in the wide receiver room than they do on their entire team right now. That's bad. I I type up a, a sheet like a form sheet for these episodes every uh, every episode and you know the keys to the game are all like they're bullet points but they're like my thoughts but that's like the big portion of it but the part that takes me the longest is to type out the injury report for the Giants and I'm not kidding it takes me the longest part because I gotta put the name and then the you know where they limited full and then like what's the injury and just type it out and there's so friggin many of them and I gotta copy it it's not like and- it's coming right out of my brain and nobody wants to admit this. They look at it as an excuse or they look at it as, you know, crying or whining. But – and I mentioned to you in the last episode, you know, the theme of this year, forget, you know, forget Daniel Jones, forget everybody on hot seats, forget this, that, and the other. This year is screwed because of the injuries and the devastating toll is taken on our playmakers, on our depth on our lines 
our captains, the guys who, you know, call out the defenses on defense, all this thing. Injuries. Mental have, state. <laughs> exactly. Have, have killed this team this year. And, you know, by the time this team ever is healthy, it's one of two things are going to have to happen. Either we're going to be playing out the string in completely meaningless games or we're going to run out of games and we're just going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. So we just have to kind of each week, you know, Hope we don't add to the injury list. You don't want guys getting in there who can pick, who potentially kill your quarterback or your healthy guys, and you know, use this as an evaluation time. You're having backups play significant minutes in games which you may not have saw before, and you make some decisions whether are these guys you want to keep next year. You know, do we have to look into the draft because you know our backup safety sucks and we need to do something or during this kind of dead time, well, he's played pretty decent. We may have, to, may have to waste a pick on him. So you can make lemonades out of lemons, but right now we are sucking on some lemons big time. Yeah. Um, that's putting it uh, That's putting it kind of mildly. You know, the injuries, they're not an excuse because uh, the, the, the truth is is that this team isn't good enough to overcome injuries. You know, the, the, the reason why people are like, well, the Ravens had a lot of injuries. Like, yeah, the Ravens are a good team. They yeah, can, they can survive that. Yeah. Their roster's so, better. So it's an excuse, but it's not an excuse at the same time. It's a reality. It's a, it's a reason yeah. for reality. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that how Greg Olson has changed the offense for the Raiders. What I think he's going to be doing here is, you know, a lot of emphasis on the shifty players. You know, Hunter Renfro. Um, no more of those long developing plays that we are far, far less than what we saw when Gruden was here. You expect a lot of stuff with running backs coming out, out of the backfield, um, you know, in the middle of the field or get them out on the edges where they can use some speed. A lot of possession game in the middle of the field with the tight ends. Expect crossing routes from Darren Waller. Even um, his plays backup. That, plays that give us pro- have given us problems for 20 years. Yes. Um, but with rugs no longer available, I, I guess their deep stuff are Zay Jones and Darren Waller. And I guess you know, you're going to see Renfro and Moreau and maybe Jacobs working the underneath. Basically... What Patrick Graham needs to do is completely flip the script from what he did last week. This is a different. This is the exact opposite kind of offense to worry about. There, forget the deep shit. That's not happening. You know, bracket Waller and Renfro. Though man up everywhere else in the outside, play zone underneath. You know, Waller and Renfro are going to be the main engines of this attack. They're going to be the hardest ones to cover. So just wipe them out by by sheer numbers and force some other Raiders to win one on ones because the other Raiders they're not that good. They're, let they're average. Let, let them beat you. And if they beat you, you, you hats off to them. Mm-hmm. You know, good luck the rest of the year. But yeah, I think you have to – you're right. Make them earn it. Make them earn it with secondary and tertiary players instead of you know, their go-to guys, the go-to guys they have left. Yeah, don't try to match up Josh Jacobs underneath either with, with safeties or, or linebackers one-on-one. Just use that underneath zone, have everyone crash down on it. Let those mistakes happen. You know, force the, those throws that are spot route throws, they bounce off a shoulder pad sometimes, you know. And also just don't let any yak happen. This, what Greg Olson has done has made an effective version of what Jason Garrett has been trying to do for about a year and a half now. And in about three weeks, he's got it pretty much down granted with a roster that's a little bit more built up and balanced but yeah um so expect exactly what we see from jason garrett but kind of working to be happening on the other side so what do you do to attack that crowd the box play single high 
forget about the deep threat. It's not that scary. Don't sit back in too deep very often. Keep Julian Love in the box. Shut down that running game. You know, keep him in the third and longs. Make those deep shots necessary. That's what you need to do. They're not going to want to call very many of those because they don't really have that in their arsenal. Make them have to do it. That's got to be the game plan here. And stay creative. I, you know, we, I, know, I know one way to make them have to do that. Get a lead. Get home. Oh, definitely, yeah. Play, play from ahead for once. You know, make them play from behind and make them take shots because if they take shots, there's a better chance for mistakes to happen and, and you're not playing to their strength. So enough of this, you know, falling behind. Enough of this playing, you know, you know, coming out sleepy. You know, it's going to be a 1 o'clock game. You know, it's probably going to be, you know, another ornery crowd after Monday night. Uh, don't come out there sleepwalking. You know, take it to them a little bit to make them be uncomfortable in the offense. Absolutely. Playing with a lead is the, the, the biggest asset to a, a defense that you can mm-hmm. give them on a, on a game-to-game basis. Just give them sure. a lead. Um. You know, there's a reason that the Raiders are taking these deep shots out of the uh, of their playbook is because they can't protect Derek Carr long enough. So you make that happen. That means that f- even if it's not third and long, throw some complicated looks. Crowd the line of scrimmage. Make them unsure. Throw some random blitzes. Don't blitz anyone. Back all out of that. Just screw everything up for them. Just confuse them. This and defense pre- is way better than their offense. And don't be predictable about it either. Don't be like, okay, on third down, here comes the exotic blitz. I mean, mix it yeah. up on, on your down, you know, down in distance. Um, and I, I guess my only other thing with uh, the defense is keep being creative. You know, we saw that uh, you know with Jabril Peppers out, Patrick Graham used Keon Crossan on two plays on defense both of them were used specifically to spy Patrick Mahomes one forced an incompletion the other one he actually got the sack um oh actually I think they were I think they might have been both sacks but one of them he actually got the sack the other one he forced uh so uh, you know that's a really cool thing that he did because he got a really speedy guy onto the field to to keep him quarterback in the pocket I would say you know keep doing stuff like that uh, but also, if Trent Harris and Quincy Roche are better options as than O'Shane Ziminis, then just play them. At this point, I'm not really interested in O'Shane Ziminis and what he could be. You know, this is his last year. Uh, right now, Quincy Roche was kind of picked up and off waiver wire, thrown in there. He's also a rookie, by the way, and already looks better than O'Shane Ziminis in pretty much all facets of the game. His window is pretty much over at this point. Yeah. Um. On offense, I would say the Raiders actually have a pretty decent defense on all levels. So they're pretty pretty average on there's no particular weak spot in my opinion. So my thought is probably to just keep using the speed that we have on offense to our advantage. I mean, right now if there's no weak spot, then just press your advantage. And for us, that's got to be speed, right? With your John Ross, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony. That's what we've got. And we're assuming Kadarius Tony's going to play, right? He's he was limited, I think, in practice week, but we think he's going to play. I I think so. Um, yes, he was limited. It's still that thumb injury. Um, yeah. It is a pretty bad gash, I guess. But I have to think that he's even if well, he has having trouble be, catching, like don't you think no they'd thing, throw him out there? Even to be a decoy as well. Yeah, so I was going to say, yeah. Even if he can't catch, I would assume that there's a benefit to just having him 
even if he's on jet sweeps, because you don't have to catch if you just put the ball in his hands. Right, right. There's that but too. Just, but just having him out there and being the threat of him, you know, that changes, you know, how you're, how you're covering him, how you're covering other guys. Because uh, we're gonna have no Galladay, we're gonna have no Shepard, so those two guys are out. Is Galladay uh, officially out? I believe he's officially out. <sighs> I believe I gonna... so. Um, don't take don't take the cranky fan at you know. Well, hey, everything's but. everything is up in the air. We we had Sterling. We had we had we did the episode last week. Uh, you know, Sunday night, and we would have told you Kadarius Tony would have been out. Right. And that would that on on Thursday if we had done that game. So we'll we'll see. Um, but I think I think speed is has to be the advantage here. You know, send verticals and deep crossers when shooting big. You know, find your one on ones. That's Daniel Jones. If you see a one on one that you like with with speed, just take it. Call that audible. That's got to be the because until Andrew Thomas is back, the random chunk plays that we get, like you know, in the Chiefs game, you know, John Ross with got interfered with by Sorensen, but still made a deep catch. It's just kind of a bomb. For a one-on-one, the other one, Kadarius Tony just getting totally lucky, where the defender slipped and fell in what would have been an easy pick six, you know. Right. And then, you know, those chunk plays that happened—the Devonte Booker one was just a really good screen and run after the catch. Um, those chunk plays were like the entire offense, and it's going to be like that without Andrew Thomas. And hopefully, it's this game and next game, right, and then a bye week. Or is it just this game and then the bye week? We have the bye week next week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it this is the last game, hopefully, without Andrew Thomas. The thinking is that by by the end of the bye week, he'd be good, good, good to go. Um, so, yeah. You know, attack the outside with screens, zone read runs. This is a good time to get the, the running game going. You know, we, we saw a little couple flashes against the Chiefs. I think their defensive line is better than the Raiders' defensive line. They're a little... Not so good against the run. I think we could kind of work that there. Um, but at the end of the day, this offense is going to be this offense. Use speed. You know, Evan Ingram on crossers in the middle of the in the middle of the field. Maybe Tony too. You're going to need to throw some trick plays in there too. I think. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this offense is what it is. It's an offense that is crippled by having its playmakers injured. And yeah. I, I'm throwing Andrew Thomas in that playmaker bucket the guy yeah, because it because it directly affects daniel jones yeah the guys who make a difference on this offense are not in this offense so you have to you have to kind of cobble together something to make it work and uh against this raider defense i can't see much of anything really happening I, I'm, I'm i'm very concerned about this game I'm, I'm worried about the implications from that monday night game because mm-hmm. that was a you know that was a winnable game you know, if you just get blown out, you kind of it's like ah, whatever. But when you have the chance to beat the AFC champions on their in their house in front of a national TV audience, and you kind of muck it up, so yeah, fall apart. I think that really that's when locker rooms start to get ugly, and you get different camps, and you start start hearing coaches tune out. You know, any real hope of making the playoffs went away last week. It was a game that you could point to a couple of things and say, did the coaches put us in the best position to win, yes or no? Uh, I wouldn't say that definitively, but there's some definitely, you know, some decisions with clock management and timeouts where, you know, if things are starting to go south, 
they seem a little more magnified if you're in that locker room. And I think we're at a very dangerous point in the season right now for the Giants where some guys may be starting to make business decisions. You know, people, they all survived the, the trade deadline. Nothing happened. That means they're stuck here. And they have to kind of get through the rest of the season. So as far as a prediction for Sunday, I I like to be an optimist. I'm a realist. I don't see the Giants winning this game. I, you know, I, I seem like a broken record every week. I'm picking against the Giants. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, the combination of who we're playing, when we're playing them, you know, there's a bye coming up. This team is probably looking forward to a little bit of a break also. There's nothing really to play for as far as standings or division titles or playoffs. I see this team coming out very flat again, and I see us losing 21-10. I actually – I feel a little bit better about this game than I – you know, I – you're probably right about the carryover mentally. Uh, I, I I think I agree with that, and I hadn't considered that when making this prediction. But I'm going to try and keep this prediction in a vacuum. Just looking at um, what we're, we're dealing with here, um, and I think the blow of Henry Ruggs is a, is a big deal for this Raider team um, that already has an offense that's doing its best to get out of its own way, even if it's not showing in their record, you know, it was certainly surprising to me to watch them in action, but I think that that actually is, is painful for them. And I, I think our advantage on defense actually is what helps us out in this game. And I have us repeating the score from last week, but in the winner's calm this time, 20 to 17 over Vegas. Hey, I'm but, thrilled. I'd love but to not right. feeling great. It's going to be another one like last week where it's just real close. So don't, don't forget your uh, hypertension meds. Um, you just take it right here. See this? Yeah. This is yeah. my eloquence. <laughs> I take it for my heart. I, if you might have noticed me sipping on some water about ten minutes ago, that was me taking my nightly pill. This is my morning pill. That's to help my heart because I have a bad heart. Everybody, make sure you're checked once a year to make sure your ticker's working well. That's my PSA for today. But <laughs> um, that'd be if your lips to the football god's ears. I mean. Nobody's in, this team, nobody's going to feel bad about any sort of victory. Like, ah, we played in the muck and we just sort of won. We played sloppy and won. At this point, win's a win and we'll take the wins. For nothing else, to take the heat off this team. Um, you know, and this is really silly and really sad that it's coming down to this, that we're in a two-team town where both teams are really bad. And the, the Jets just embarrass themselves on a Thursday night national TV audience. How about winning giants and take a little bit of that spotlight and pressure and that hot seatiness off the team for a week going into the bye. You know, let's not go into the bye losing again, looking like garbage, having the, the heat raised. And, you know, we, we hear it on the outside, you know, these guys hear it on the inside. Also winning a game like this, it kind of lowers the temperature a little bit. Let's get to the bye week lick our wounds, get ready for another uh, stretch of tough games. I just don't know if they're good enough to do that. I mean, at some point, you know, you can X and O all you want. You can have the right speeches. You can come out as fired up as you want. But does this team have the roster right now 
with all the injuries and everything going on that they can go out and they compete against a team that's a, that's a playoff team, legitimate playoff team. I don't think so, and that's why I think they're going to lose. And, you know, why I stated. Yeah, like like I said, I was I was I had a different prediction and feeling about this game until I actually watched all the Raiders tape. Um, kind of the same thing with the Chiefs last week, to be honest. But the yeah. Um, the the Eagles are hosting the Chargers on Sunday. How do we feel about that one? You know something? The more you think you know, the less you actually do. And I've been pretty much wrong on the Eagles every single week this Wait, year. Wait, was I right about the Eagles last week? I said they were going to blow the shit out of the Lions, didn't I? You did. You did. And I said that the Lions would beat them. And I was completely wrong, and you were completely right. Uh, maybe the Eagles aren't in that absolute lower tier of the worst teams in the league. Maybe they're not a Detroit or a Houston at this moment. Maybe they're just a bad team. Maybe they're, they're a Giants bad because every time I thought they're going to lose to a really, really bad team, they've won. So this week they're playing a, a decent team, a pretty good team. They're not winning this week. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna stick to that one until I'm proven right. Um, I think they're going to lose 27-14. Wow. Really similar scores. I think they're going to get the shit kicked out of them. Um, and I mean that honestly because I, I look at this Chargers defensive front and I have no idea how Philly's blocking for that. And they, they have way, 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 way enough trouble with with Hurts uh, running for his life as it is. This is going to be a tough sledding for them. I don't think this is close at all. I think the score 31-13 uh, includes, you know, maybe 10 garbage time points from Philadelphia. That level Sounds of bad. Sounds good. Uh, Denver Broncos go stampeding into Dallas on Sunday. How do you feel about that one? What's the quarterback situation for Dallas? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Yeah, that kind, that, of, kind of changes How much everything. does that factor? It changes oh, everything? changes everything. I okay. mean, let's... You know, I know Cooper Rush is in that same category as Mike White right now that are one-hit wonders that, you know, I don't know if they put up a Hall of Fame shrine to Cooper Rush like they did for Mike White. Or not Cooperstown, uh, where the hell is the Hall of Fame for uh, Canton like they did for uh, for Matt White. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to put this as a – I've never done this before, to be determined. If Dak plays, I think the Cowboys win by 10 points. If he doesn't play, I think they lose by 10 points. I think he is playing based on the really quick thing where he said it's safe to say that he's playing. That was the quote from Dak Prescott. Then I'll say Dallas wins by 10. I I don't think Denver is going to do much of anything in this game. I have this as 38-20 to Dallas. Okay, sounds fair. And Washington has a bye week. Do they make it out of the week without you know further scandal involving Daniel uh, Snyder? Or... I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a loss for Washington because they're just losers. Okay. So, yeah. The bye week never loses against Washington. And so that's it. So one o'clock at MetLife Stadium, the cranky fan and I will be in attendance and uh, sufficiently lubricated with whiskey. We'll be uh, uh, we'll, we'll be tailgating, I, I guess, with our boy Justin again. We'll be out there. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be tailgating again. I don't know. I haven't asked him, but yeah. Um, and then you know our usual quick stop at the Jameson Room before the game, 
And uh, so if you're there, come stop by, DM both of us. I'm at football underscore grump on Twitter. He's at the cranky fan. This show is at just giants pod and is available on iTunes and SoundCloud and all audio spaces as well as YouTube for video. We will see you all Tuesday morning after the win on Sunday. Go Giants. Go Giants.